There's something in most of us that wants to be autonomous or self-governing. To some extent, this is the American dream or the way that it was presented to many of us. For most people, but particularly men, this can even be our definition of success. To do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it, and have enough money to actually pay for it. It can kind of be alluring. In addition to our ego, though, there are a few other things that fuel our pursuit for autonomy. Um, growing up, we pursue freedom as a form of autonomy um, by rebelling or ignoring the rules because when we follow the rules, we don't feel like we're actually free. Then as we get older, we see it and we can't unsee it. That most of our uh, role models seem to be completely autonomous. Whether they're our corporate role models or athletic heroes or uh, artists and celebrities, we look at their lives and they seem to be completely unfettered by financial, occupational, and governmental authorities. And then it becomes a little bit more sophisticated that we realize that rebellion doesn't necessarily equal freedom because prisoners usually rebelled at some point and they don't have any freedom, right? And along the way, our autonomy sort of bumps up against authority. That surely being autonomous doesn't include following authority's rules and regulations. So we start to think, if I disagree with the rule, then I'll just ignore it. Then I can just sort of disregard it and eventually just disobey it completely. That if I'm going to be autonomous, instead of dismissing all authority completely, I'm going to look at one rule and one law at a time. That if I don't like one rule because I think it's too extreme, it's redundant, it's excessive, it's irrelevant, I've grown past that, then I'm just going to look at that one rule and make a decision about that rule at that time. Now, you may not be willing to admit this, but I think everyone watching this message can think of a time where they did exactly that. Maybe it was with the speed limit. You were in a 30 mile an hour zone and you thought, well, this should be at least 40. Or maybe it was with your taxes. You were looking at something and thought, this should be a deduction. All of this should be a deduction. Or maybe it's with curfew and you thought, I'm too old. I'm too mature. This is too early. That there are many examples when we just don't agree with something, we just disregard it and move on. Now this morning, I may touch on some examples that are specific or personal to you. But my intent is actually just to talk about our general response to authority not necessarily apply this to specific situations. So here are two examples that I saw from Facebook that I think might help illustrate this point further. The first one's this picture. Health experts saying, please wear protective suits in space. Americans walking on the moon with no shirt, no shoes, and no helmet. Now, the next example is not meant to be pro-mask, anti-mask, that's not the purpose. The purpose is really to talk about and to show how much we wanna be autonomous, particularly in America. This is the quote. I'm not against wearing a mask. I'm against being forced to wear a mask. There is a difference. Now, that's sort of the streak. That's the desire for autonomy that I think is inside of most of us, but some of us have taken like an orange highlighter and just highlighted that streak. There's something in us for good or for bad that wants to govern and rule ourselves, that everyone wants to be their own authority. And we're in this series called For Everyone Still, looking at the letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome. And we're in this series and discussing this series because people are still asking the question, who is the church for? Who is religion and faith in God for? Who is welcome to explore the questions of life? We think the answer is pretty clear, that Jesus is for everyone. But Paul wrote this message to the followers of Jesus in Rome, sort of emphasizing this theme over and over again, hoping that the Jesus followers in Rome would share this message from the capital city of the Roman Empire. If you've missed any of the messages in this series, you can check them out on our YouTube channel at the link on the screen or in the chat. But last week we said that everyone has gifts and a role to play. So what are your gifts? 
What are the roles that you should be playing? And we shared an, an assessment on our website that would help everyone discover and identify the gifts that they have at nlnc.org gifts. If you haven't done so already, we encourage you to do that right after the service and then share your results by emailing us at hello at nlnc.org. Um, today, though, we're going to talk about this big topic that really impacts everyone, autonomy and authority. That like you, I like authority, especially when I'm the one in authority. That children obeying your parents, that's a good verse when you're the one that's a parent. And I think that's one of my favorite verses in this time right now. And really, we can also kind of trace autonomy all the way back to the very beginning of the relationship between God and humanity. That our desire for autonomy has really impacted um, all of our thoughts and, and decisions about authority and rules. That when we think about and sort of become focused on this idea of autonomy, it sort of makes us focus on what are we being asked to do. Whether it's with your parents, your boss, the government, your educational system, or whatever arena you're being asked or told to do something, whether you signed a contract to, to work for a job, or whether you have a, a certain opportunity with a different organization that has expectations of you, this natural reaction is sort of makes our first response to be evaluating what are they asking me to do and should I actually do it? Because if I can disregard the what, if I can kind of get away with not doing the what and there's no consequences, then I'm just going to disregard it. I don't want to actually do that. That if I think it's the wrong speed limit, well, I can just disregard it. If I think that the policy handbook is out of date, now I can just disregard it. And many of us, we won't feel guilty because we evaluated this rule and we decided that it's a dumb rule to start with. And, and God would probably agree because if I can see that this is an antiquated, irrelevant, impractical rule, then certainly God can see that as well. So God and I are kind of sitting over there saying, dumb rule, right? Now, if all we were talking about was curfew, you know, whether it should be 11 or 11.30, or speed limit, whether it should be 30 or 40, then this probably wouldn't be worth talking about, right? But this impacts us on multiple different levels. That this becomes a little bit more emotional and impactful when we think about underage drinking. When you think about 18-year-olds gathering together to, with alcohol, and they're evaluating this rule and thinking, hey, yeah, this is kind of a dumb rule, we're just going to do it anyhow. Or you think about drinking and driving. And you think, well, yeah, there's some rules about this, but those are for average drivers, and, well, I'm no average driver. Or maybe it's about prescription medication. And your mother, who decided that she knows more than the doctors about how to deal with her medication, now she has three doctors, so she can get as many medications as she wants, again, because she knows better than the doctors and the pharmacists. Now, before we go any further, we are going to cover all the what-if situations that no doubt many of you are thinking about right now, including those moments when authorities overstep their bounds and abuse their power. So if you've come this far, I don't normally beg, but I beg you to stay with us through the end before you dismiss this or send me an email. Let me ask you this question before we continue on. What area of authority do you notice yourself resisting the most in this season? And I say this season because so much is happening right now and there's so many different ways that authority is impacting us. And what do you think that should tell you about yourself? That when you open the Bible app, you find a different paradigm or value system than what many of us are living out on a daily basis. And when you read these verses, some of you are going to push back on them, and that's okay. At least you'll have something else to talk about at your next meal. But for some of you, it might challenge you to actually read these verses for yourselves. Um, some of you might come up with exceptions while we're reading these, like what about this, what about that, and that's okay. Again, we're going to address some of those at the end of the message. The background for these verses, though, is part of what makes them so powerful and really sort of takes away the wind out of our excuses about against doing what Paul says here. That these words really have credibility, not just because they're in the Bible, but these words have credibility because of the context in which they're written. That we've said during this series that Paul wrote these words 
to the Christians who lived in Rome. And this was not a great place or a great time to be a Jesus follower living in Rome. Because the emperor during this time was Nero. And I don't know how much you know about Nero and Christians, but Nero burned down the city of Rome and he blamed the Jesus followers. Nero burnt Christians at the stake and Nero used burning Christians to light his gardens. And then he fed Christians to lions. Nero was a pagan emperor who was a terrible emperor who sort of ran a system that was full of injustice and arrogance and had been that way for quite a while. So the authority of the Roman government and the Roman Empire at this time was this man, Nero, when these words were written. So with that in mind, here's what Paul writes to the Jesus followers living in the capital city of the Roman Empire. We're going to be in Romans chapter 13. If you want to follow along the Bible app, you can open that up. You can also jump in the notes section of the chat, or you can just follow along on the screen as well. Romans chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. To which we ask, can you make a blanket statement like that? Like, don't you need to like, take each law and rule one by one? Or do you even know what the rules are like in America, Paul? To which Paul, I think, would say, like, this is a shift from what to who? He continues on. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. And I think we need to pause here and just sort of let that sink in, because this is kind of amazing, and it's kind of unbelievable in a lot of ways. And this is just one of those sections that I think if you could, you just take this out of the Bible app and just delete it, right? And just remove it completely. But in the beginning, God created authority and freedom. That God gave order to things through his authority of being the ultimate authority. And God established that following his authority actually leads to more freedom, not less freedom. And this idea in this specific verse, though, would have been like completely strange and foreign to Nero and the other emperors who thought of themselves as like gods themselves. And they believed they had authority and power because of themselves, not because of some gift from the creator God. So they probably would have laughed at this sort of a verse. But Paul is going to point us to a principle that you're going to see again throughout the scriptures, that God always works through authority. And this is true throughout history. God, God works through good and bad authorities. He works through great and small authorities. He works through authorities who believe in him and authorities who don't believe in him. Because God wants his world to be ordered and not chaotic. So God works through human authorities who he has allowed and who he has established. To which we sort of, I think, begin to realize some of the implications of what's happening in this. That disregarding regulations and expectations at work, it becomes a spiritual issue. That rebelling against rules at school and at home can be rebelling against God. That not following the tax code can actually impact your relationship with God. Continuing on verse 2. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. And some of us, we say things like this to ourselves or to God. We say, like, I'm not going to do that because that's irrelevant. I'm not going to do that because that's stupid. I'm not going to do that because my parents, they just don't understand. But, God, I really want you to know that I love you. I really want to follow you, and I really want to experience you in my life. To which Paul, I think, says, like, hold on a second. Like, you're being deceived by the very first deception of what happened in the Garden of Eden. That the serpent said to Adam and Eve, Did God really say not to eat the fruit from that tree? That the focus shifted from who to what God actually said. That God actually establishes all authorities. And the tense of the words that he uses for rebels and is rebelling, it sort of indicates that this is sort of a constant attitude or disposition towards disorder and sort of away from 
order, which maybe indicates that this should be viewed as bigger than just a single or isolated incident. That your attitude and your response to authority can be a reflection of your attitude and response to your Heavenly Father. That your response to the authorities you can see can be a reflection of the response you have to the authorities you cannot see, the authority you cannot see. That the more wealth and power you have, you have the potential and you're more prone to actually fall into this trap. Because the more money you have, the greater potential you have to feel above the rules. That the greater power you have in your company or in your family, you begin to feel like the rules are for other people and not actually for you. That you forget, or maybe you never knew, that these become spiritual decisions. That following earthly authority and our connection to God are not separated in two different worlds. Paul says they're actually connected together. That rebelling against earthly authorities can be like rebelling against your heavenly Father. Continue on verse 3. For the authorities do not strike fear in the people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. So I want you to listen to this next verse. If you're a government official, if you're a leader of your company, your teacher, advisor, uh, administrator, supervisor, listen to this next verse. Verse 4. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. That your boss, who is non-religious and is far from God maybe, is God's servant in your life. To which you might say, like, you've never met my boss. Like, do you realize that he doesn't even believe in God? That doesn't really bother God, unfortunately. <laughs> because God works through human authority. So some of you might say, so you're saying my parents are like my servants, or like God's servants in my life? Like they haven't been in a church, well, maybe even ever. Your parents are your servants of God in your life. But they aren't even religious, they aren't even Jesus followers. That isn't the issue, Paul would say. Because remember, Paul is writing this to the Jesus followers in Rome under Nero. That God works through human authority, somehow through the good ones and somehow through the bad ones. And Paul sort of builds this principle on something that was a part of his Jewish his history and heritage. That in the Old Testament, the Old Testament would denounce pagan rulers and pagan nations and say that they are not the way that God wants to work. But they would also declare that God was working through those same nations and those same pagan leaders. And is working on the benefit of the people in the long run. You can look at Isaiah chapter 10, chapter 45, or Jeremiah 29. But there is sort of this tension between God is sovereign over all nations and the idea that the pagan nations and rulers were dangerous. And there was sort of this tension between these two ideas. And unfortunately, tension is something that many of us don't hold both sides of very well. The tension today is really to hold both these things today. That God uses authorities and laws in this world and Jesus is already the ultimate leader and authority right now and forever. And then the flip side of this is that if you are a boss or authority, you are God's servants to the employees and the people that answer to you, that you are in authority over. And you might say, like, we write code, we fix tech, we improve tech. Like, it's not like we're a church. And that God would say it doesn't really matter. You are God's servants to those who are under your authority. And if you're a public official, you are God's servants to the people you're responsible to serve. That God works through authorities, whether they believe in him or not. 
your attitude and response to human authorities can be a reflection of your attitude and response to God. Continuing on verse 5. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. And this is where many of us find a loophole. More on that next week. If we aren't going to get caught, or we think we aren't going to get caught, that is enough not that is enough for many of us not to submit to authority. We don't always see that there's a spiritual connection to this idea, but it's bigger than just avoiding punishment. It also includes our conscience, that this should be the right thing to do, that our decisions should be a matter of conscience. Whether the federal government knows what you did with your taxes or not, whether your teacher ever finds out that you cheated in, on your test, it's not about getting caught this is a matter of conscience. To cheat your teacher or to cheat the educational system is to cheat God. And if you think I'm drawing too close to a line, I encourage you to read it yourself. But when your boss won't know about something you did or didn't do, this isn't a matter of keeping the rules to avoid getting caught or to avoid punishment. This is a matter of conscience. That you're not just accountable to your mother, your father, your boss, the government, um, a teacher. You are accountable to God and he has placed you under their authority. And then Paul gives an illustration that might have been specific to the Roman audience he was speaking to, but it also might have been something that he just knew was going to apply to everybody throughout time. We're not exactly sure, but here's what he says in verse 6. Pay your taxes, too, for, the, for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. To which some of us would say like, but Paul, they're Romans, like they killed Jesus. Like why would we support and fund their evil endeavors? They don't even believe in you, they aren't serving God. And at this point in the Roman Empire, those living in the capital were actually subjected to two different types of taxes, the indirect and the direct taxes. The indirect taxes were actually so unpopular that there was actually riots during this time about those taxes. And at one point, Nero actually said to the people, he promised them, that he would cancel all their indirect taxes. But the cynics among you would realize and be happy to know that he didn't keep that promise. Now, at this point, Jesus' followers could have withheld paying these unjust taxes because their, their pagan counterparts would have supported them and agreed with them and said, yeah, these are unjust taxes. However, Paul is telling the Jesus' followers at this time to pay these unjust taxes because it was likely that they're going to get into more trouble later for far more important issues. So they should be as good of citizens as they can, including paying their taxes. Now, if you think the tax structure now is unfair, I assure you that it was much worse in Rome. Because if you don't pay your taxes now and here, you just get a letter sent to you. If the Romans didn't pay their taxes, the first step was a visit. Now, um, no matter how upside down you are with the IRS, they are not going to come and sell your wife and kids. But that was first century Rome for people who didn't pay their taxes, especially if you were a Jesus follower in that not so good category or list anyhow. If you aren't paying your taxes, you aren't listening to Paul, and you're particularly not listening to Jesus. You're just ignoring it probably because you think you know better than what God or Paul might say to you. So, some of you might be pushing back and saying, so you're saying we should never push back on leaders, we should never ask questions of authorities, we should never do any of those things. I would say you should always question authorities. You should always ask questions. But that's very different from being accountable to 
authorities. That you can question authorities and still be accountable to them. That you can write letters and march in the streets and you can still be accountable because that's very different than disregarding authorities and disregarding rules. And some of you might say, well, what if the authorities are asking you to do something illegal or immoral? Like your dad asks you to go rob a bank. Well, the interesting thing about many of those answers to those type of situations is in this principle because God continues to work through authority. And there are several examples of this throughout the scriptures. You can look at David, Daniel, Jesus, Paul. But basically, when an authority abuses their power or works outside of the legal uh, standards or the law, you really have at least four options. Now, the four examples we're going to look at are most vividly seen in the story of Daniel in Daniel chapter 1. Um, and I want to give a disclaimer that these are not going to work in every situation. Some situations are going to require much uh, more extreme measures than what this is. And some cultures are going to require more extreme measures. For instance, there's countries right now that these things would not be your best options. So let me just say that. But these are some options, I think, for most people in most situations in America. Number one, be open with your intentions. That many times hiding disobedience to authorities, it causes more problems than the actual disobedience itself. Number two, you can suggest an alternative. That when you look at the story of Daniel, Daniel actually suggested a slightly different diet than what was ordered to him. And then he suggested that they test him to see if it actually worked. That many times we can just suggest an alternative. Number three, you can appeal to the next authority. That if it's a family situation, you can appeal to a legal authority. That if it's an organizational chart issue or it's a legal situation, you can again appeal to a higher level of authority. And if it's a moral situation, you can appeal directly to God, the ultimate authority. And perhaps God will intervene on your behalf. Number four is you can willingly accept the consequences. And we accept the consequences from ungodly authorities not because we're gluttons for punishment and we want more punishment, but it's because we have a greater trust in our, in our ultimate authority. And this sort of brings us back full circle to where most issues with authority start and where they end. That we aren't putting our trust in our ultimate authority that God has actually got this situation. But this is why Daniel could go into a lion's den. This is why Jesus could stand trial during an illegal trial. This is why Paul would repeatedly stand before authorities and eventually be beheaded by them. Because they accepted the decisions of ungodly authorities because they had greater trust in the ultimate authority, God. And that's not to say any of this is going to be easy. But if you're a middle school, high school student, college student, or you're just a young adult starting out, you probably don't understand how God wants to use the good and the bad authorities in your life. Maybe to help send you in a direction or to help set you up for an opportunity in this life. But you have to follow. You have to be accountable to those authorities. And really for all of us, I sort of wonder a question that I think all of us should think about on some level. What if we would have shown up in Jesus's trial? What if we would have shown up at the trial itself? What would you have thought? Because I think a lot of us would have looked at God and said, like, God, you have to do something. <laughs> like, these religious leaders, they've abdicated their authority because they're actually going outside of the Old Testament law. They've actually hired people to lie about Jesus. And Pilate, the Roman authority, the Roman leader, like, he's scared of the crowd, so he's probably not going to make it a good decision. And then God, Rome doesn't even acknowledge you, so they don't fear you as the ultimate authority. So your son has two authorities, ungodly authorities, who are in agreement that they should get rid of him. God, you got to do something. To which God, I think, would look at us and say, 
I am doing something. I'm actually saving the world. And we would push back to God and say, but God, like you're going to use like the anti-Jesus Roman government, Roman empire that, that, and you're going to use those deceitful religious leaders who've done so many terrible things to accomplish your will and to save the world. To which God would say, yeah, I use human authority whether they recognize me or not. So what if God is up to something in your life through the authorities in your life? Maybe through the school system, maybe through your parents, maybe one who believes in God and one who doesn't believe in God, or maybe through the organization that you work for. As we wrap up our time together, I think it's kind of clear that Jesus followers should be the best citizens in America. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't ask hard questions. It doesn't mean we shouldn't protest at times. It doesn't mean any of that. But our lives should reflect our trust and our ultimate authority. Peter says it this way, It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Because God uses honorable behavior to impact authorities. That we actually gain credibility with authorities when our behavior honors them. That some of you might need to go home and your honorable behavior is to write a letter to somebody um, that you need to show some respect for or re-show respect for. Some of you might need to go home and write some checks right now. And I don't know what that looks like. Or some of you might need to get a lawyer and get an attorney. But this is a spiritual issue. That our response to authority is a spiritual issue. That our response to rules at work is a spiritual issue. That our response to authorities at school a spiritual issue. That our response to authority at home, a spiritual issue. Because autonomy is a myth. It's a trap. And it's an unworthy goal. You and I were not created for autonomy. We were created to be accountable to authorities. That everyone is accountable to authorities. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these words from Paul. As challenging as they are and as difficult as they are for us to live out, and at times it just seems so inconvenient, and we would so much rather just disregard the law or the rule or the authority. And yet it seems like you work through authority, God, and you've even set up authority and structure to bring order, and to, bring order to our lives and not chaos. And so God, in those situations right now that we're thinking of, maybe it's around COVID-19, maybe it's around something at our job, maybe it's around something at home or at school, maybe it's just around just life in general, we know that we push back and we resist authority. We want to just disregard it. God, would you challenge us in our hearts? Would you help us to examine ourselves? Would you examine us and help us to show, would you show us something about us that we might need to pay attention to in our lives? That, God, you put your finger on it right now. You'd help us to see that maybe this is the area that you want to work on right now. That maybe you want to do something through this um, area of our lives, of dealing with authority in our life. God, for those who need to push back and need to push back hard on authority, that there's something really big going on and they, they can't follow authority the same way that maybe Paul outlined here. Would you help them to do that in a way that Daniel did that? Would you help them to do that in a way that Jesus did that or Paul did that? To help reflect the image of you in their lives. That God, you'd give them the wisdom to know how to do it, and God, you'd also give them the courage to do it. And God, for the rest of us, would you help us to, to just examine our view of authority during this time? Would you help us to ultimately reflect that we trust in you as the ultimate authority of the whole world? And it's in your name we pray. Amen.